0: Welcome to Vicarious Living, welcome back to the pod. We have the dynamic duo, trio actually, back. The original three from Podcast Creation Days. Pipes.
1: It is good to be back. What's up, Brian?
0: And intern Whitney.
2: Happy to be here.
0: So, uh, the Dream Team is back. Uh, Pat, you guys had a little hiatus. We just spent about 40 minutes talking about your honeymoon. Sounded lovely. (laughs) It was lovely. Just list out where you went. You went to Paris. Yeah,
2: we kicked off in Paris. Uh, triple digit weather there, so that was lovely. <laughs> Topped out at 104. <laughs> Pretty comfortable. Uh, then we headed, headed down uh, south to Cinque Terre, Italy. Uh, gorgeous.
0: Which is your favorite underrated spot, Cinque Terre, Italy.
2: Yeah. Highly recommend it. Take the wife, take the girlfriend, take the partner. Make that part of your stop, Uh an Italian adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we went to Florence, about a day and a half. That's all you need. and uh, <laughs> But it really was beautiful. And then uh, finished off in Rome.
0: Saw the Coliseum.
1: Saw the Coliseum. We checked off all the big ones.
0: Did you see Russell Crowe?
1: Yeah. He, he stands out front, and mm-hmm. you have to pay him mm-hmm. like probably about <laughs> seven or eight euro, depending on how good you are at right. haggling for a picture with him. Yeah. And he's there.
0: Yeah. On weekdays. I figured he would still be there because um, I don't think he's acting in any movies. <laughs> I don't think he's done in any movies since then. Um, I want to say though, uh, because it, I was being reminded, you know, the teens brought you guys together. You guys met at this podcast studio mm-hmm. because you know, intern Whitney worked, got an internship here, and me and Pat obviously were the on-air talent. Yeah. Then
1: we got married three months
0: later. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But I have another story about the teens bringing people together. Uh, went out with. One of Anna's friends, uh, another couple, and actually was our realtor when I bought our house, and they were telling us that the teens. Obviously, I'm always pushing our podcast out there to whoever I meet right. and hang out with. Picked up two Instagram followers that night. Nice. You know, always, always okay. working it. Okay. Um, they were telling me that the teens brought them together. Crazy fucking story. So they worked together. He was dating another girl. This is probably, like, who knows, five years ago or so. He's dating someone else. Him and Katie work together. And she would go over to his house every day after work and watch Friday Night Lights.
3: Wow.
2: I love that.
0: And then eventually, obviously, while the sexual tension's heating up on the screen, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's also heating up off the screen. And she essentially wedged her way in with him and... You know, then they, he broke up with his other girlfriend. The teens brought them together, too. And now they're married with two fucking kids. I love that story. Me, too. So, teens bringing people together, dude. I mean, that's just as classic as it gets. Um, okay, so, housekeeping. pack, give our shit. Vicarious Living Pod at
1: gmail.com and VicariousLivingPodcast on Instagram. By the way, um, the guests that you had while I was gone did a fantastic job. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty nervous when they nailed it both times. Or, um, I think all three times. on <laughs> yeah. um, the, the information. Contact. It's like whenever I do that, I'm kind of proud of myself. I'm like, shit, that's a skill that only you have. <laughs> only you have that skill, Pat. Nobody else could do that. And they just on the spot nailed it. So we I had some great you could guests. Say I'm, I'm on the hot seat right now.
0: We really appreciate the fill ins by our great guests. You know, we really appreciate it. Um, we also got some new tanks in. Did you see that while you were away? I sure did, yeah. $20 each. Get at us on Instagram. Tanks, VL swag, cross collab with Wicklow, where we're just crushing through fucking business deals. Um, the, other, the last thing to note, this is the half century mark. Number 50? Fucking, we made it. Five, zero. Did you
2: know that, Whitney?
0: Did not know that. So we'll see in this, uh, we'll see in the One Tree Hill that we're going to do tonight, episodes 12 and 13, that Whitey, one of his lifetime goals was to just reach 500 wins. Mm -hmm. That He set that out. It's one of his three lifetime goals that it's the only thing he wanted to accomplish in life. I think for us, we had, you know, 50 on our podcast goals. So what
1: were our goals? Like uh, 50, 50 podcasts. Get a like from Tate Donovan on Instagram. That was so on there. Check and check.
0: Get uh get a comment from Irene Marie on our Eighth and Ocean podcast check. check. That's three checks that we originally put on our goals. Um, the last one that we had, which we still haven't hit yet, is someone from like a remote town in Iowa. Oh, reaching Send out to us. I email. would say that's our
1: number one goal is having yeah, is having a fan come out of the woodwork and just talk about how much the pod's gotten through a, like got them through a hard time. Yeah. Like, listen, I got in a bad car wreck. Um, I've been bedridden for about three months. Really dark times. Yeah. Only thing that got me through it was your podcast. Was it so, teens? That's that's on the goal list. Um. Also, one more piece of housekeeping. I do actually yeah. have a gift from you. It's a little souvenir from our trip. Oh yeah.
0: So, <laughs> This one to give us the pod. That the parade? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that beret made <laughs> Thank you, Jared. No problem. That beret... Uh, was this the one from the Instagram post in Absolutely. front of the Eiffel tower? That was the one. That's, is this actually a gift for me or is this just for the for pod? That's, that's an actual gift? I can take that home? You can take that home. Can I wear it to the WNBA game that we're going to in about two hours? I would expect you would. Yeah. So we're going to a WNBA game today because Pac got last in our fantasy football league. So we got to wrap this up as quick as possible so we can get on the road. For the ladies on the hardwood mm-hmm. um actually i do have one more bit of housekeeping last thing before we get into episodes uh 12 and 13 from oth whitney has some thoughts about was it ryan cabrera
2: no gavin DeGraw. fuck god damn <laughs> why did i say ryan cabrera similar genre
0: i guess he was kick you know what it is is he was on the hills mm-hmm. around this time Dating Audrina a little bit, and I was watching The Hills' New Beginnings before I came here, and on the preview for next week, he just pops back up. Uh-huh. No one's no one's heard of from him in, like, 15 years, and he's back.
1: Is he still married to um, Ashley Simpson?
0: I don't think so.
2: No, no.
0: No? Uh-huh. So, did you have thought... You actually... I we just, slammed him yeah, pretty hard.
2: I just felt like after that podcast uh, in which you said, I believe, Gavin Girl had one song... That I needed to comment.
1: You you, you made him out to be a one-hit wonder. Yeah, which... Which which Whitney took umbrage with.
2: Yeah, took significant umbrage and made Pat listen to no less than 20 of his greatest hits. Which
0: I took a bit of umbrage. (laughs) (laughs) So so there were
4: umbrages just going around. Lots
2: of umbrage happening. Uh, But no, just during my high school years, he was top dog at my all-female high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We... We had multiple mixtapes of all Gavin DeGraw going around. I could sing most words to his greatest hits. And so, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that he got his due. You know, put it out there that he is not a one-hit wonder.
0: So, actually, the, I'm glad you brought this up about Gavin DeGraw because uh got some other feedback on him from another lady listener. Oh, wow. Lauren S., who's just been reaching out like crazy with good feedback. And Love she it. was like... Uh, Fuck you. Gavin DeGraw <laughs> is the man. She listed out his other hits. I
2: was going, yeah, it's too many to count though.
0: So she said, I don't know if you have anyone's outside of this, Chariot, uh huh. Best I Ever Had, mm-hmm. Uh Not Over You, Follow Through. Yep. And then she said Kristen Cavalieri was in a music video for I'm In Love With A Girl.
2: Yeah. That's a nice yeah. tip. So, and he now uh, does, he does collaborations, <clears throat> uh, that song Brother with, I don't know who it's with, but I mean that. What's
1: your favorite Gavin DeGraw song?
0: Yeah, we'll put it
2: in right uh, here. Uh, I'd say Follow Through. Done. Definitely. Here it is. So, since you want to
3: be with me, you have like to follow through with
0: So that's another that's another song by Gavin. So you, what what made you love Gavin? Was it his eclectic collection of hats? Uh,
2: that was one of the things. Um, I'm a big fan of the beanie, just tip for the kids. Uh oh. lots of hat. Should
0: he
1: wear beanie? I maybe? think I think definitely I'm he, a wintertime beanie guy.
2: Yeah, it, it adds an edge. Um, and then I would say he's got a very soulful sound to his voice. Who, hey, may still. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I still just still had bad. a picture of
0: still Pat on me. I don't know why, but I just pictured pat naked and just a beanie and vans like for intimate and, times. Vans. and oh, vans and vans <laughs> so it's just he's only covered at the very top and the very bottom yeah but then completely nude everywhere else
2: yep with a soulful voice
0: i like that look for pat yeah we sure. should probably record like that yeah probably like get the you know the uh creativity going a little bit if we lose some of these clothes it makes sense to me just saying Okay, um, we can move off again. Of okay, Okay, did you have any other thoughts on um, OTH? Because I don't think we've recorded a pod here at this podcast studio since we started OTH, and I'm sure no. you've had some thoughts.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm going to confess that um, although I am the intern, <laughs> just yeah. started listening. We'll uh, start
0: paying you at some point, by the way. I mean, maybe in like three years.
2: Okay, okay. It, I
0: think that's good. Well, I'm all caught up. Pay her dues. Yeah, all what's caught what's
2: up it? for the first time um, since being in Europe. You guys... Accompanied me on a lot of my runs. Big Whit fan. Whitney is a
1: great employee, terrible listener.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I can't spend that much time with you guys. Uh, but no, I will say first, I want to give a big shout out to all the guest stars, uh, especially the female guest stars. Jules, Jules, Anna, Anna from HR. and uh, your friend Lauren. Like their takes. Every time I was like getting ready to shout at you guys for making some kind of controversial point, they just filled in my words exactly. So. Um, Big thanks to the ladies on. I love it
0: when we have the ladies on because they really do keep us in check from like letting our chauvinism, our male chauvinism, just get completely out of control.
2: Yeah, and it's all it's it's a it's a conversation. I think you guys got to feel free to say how you really feel, but be open to the criticism.
1: Left unchecked, this pod would just be all locker room talk. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Agree.
0: So, Whitney, who are you? A Chad Michael Murray girl? (laughs)
2: <laughs> damn dude Barry's making Barry's insane. getting a little wild the podcast mascot yeah. he's just excited to have it back here on his home turf
0: Barry uh, just jumped like 13 feet in the air from one couch to the ground
2: I yeah I am definitely a Chad Michael Murray girl um, but I will say the alternative Nathan is just so pitiful that and he's um, not a hot guy not hot guy and just zero personality like he to no me charisma. is yeah no charisma blank I honestly like the girls way more than the guys across the board. Like, I'm so enamored with all three of them. They're better
0: actors for sure. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but this is... One Tree Hill is my favorite that you guys have done so far. Maybe because I actually watched it. I'm telling you, it on. really...
0: It's a... I've noticed this. Like, it's for sure, above any other teen drama, it's in the lady wheelhouse. Like, yeah. it's split kind of on who... What ladies we've talked to have seen the OC or friday night lights but like every single female that we've talked to is like oh i remember one tree hill fucking love it
2: but do you think that's because this one features the strongest female leads
0: that that's a part of it for sure i also think that it's more soapy it's more soap opera y. pat and i've talked about that where there's just kind of like there's always music playing in the background and i think it's it Pulls on your emotional heartstrings a it's, little more it's, consistently. It's
1: also it's probably more relatable. That's for what I was, because yeah. well, most of the I can't relate to anything that's going on with the guy characters really. Like Lucas's situation of being in a tug of war between <laughs> two tens is. You've never experienced that. Uh, I mean, I thought you did a couple times. I mean, a couple times, but it was so long ago that I can't remember. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah so I'm watching that like well, this seems like a fictional scenario yeah I'm not checking in with that um, I've never really had the bullying thing so I
0: well you were doing the bullying
1: so you just didn't see it oh yeah that right. was a big time Nathan when I came to that hold on
0: it's Duke Energy finally uh-huh. um okay Wait. hello oh yeah um, I got la- a last point on that. Yeah, there. go ahead. Well, yeah.
2: But I would argue that it's more relatable across the board than like the OC. None of us lived in Orange County, so like the s- stuff they're experiencing, we weren't in the middle of. Like, you could have yeah. actually lived the life of a North Carolina teen. You
0: know? Yeah, that's the tough part about the OC. You'll have like Ron, like Caleb, who's like eighty, will be dating someone who's like, you know, twenty four. Yeah. And that's not relatable. And then she'll come over and then Ryan will have all this sexual tension with her. And it's like, okay, I can't really relate to that because my grandpa never started hooking up with someone who was 60 years younger. And then she came over and she's just touching my leg <laughs> yeah. under the dinner yeah. table not, in front of my mom and dad.
2: Not a common situation.
0: Okay. So the le- any other lingering thoughts, intern Whitney, on OTH that you've had?
2: No, I would just say uh, keep up the good work. Uh, I feel like this podcast is really starting to come into its own. And uh, now you guys have gained a listener. You're my third podcast in my rotation now. So when I'm done listening to my first two favorites. Don't say them. (laughs) <laughs> don't, blame, don't say our competitors any shine I'm just kidding no that's
0: pretty cool that we've made it in you know intern made Whitney works here and yeah. she's been on a lot of these pods and we're still not number one but <laughs> you're we're edging, working our
1: way up uh, way Yeah. Up. by well. the way
0: at the top here I figured this would be an appropriate
1: time to put this in here this is a take it was kind of a half-baked take that Whitney had but it was so good that I needed to bring it up okay she basically just said car dealerships What's with the car dealerships in these oh, teen dramas? Oh, yeah.
0: Maybe we need to add that to our staples of what needs to be in a teen drama I'm show. I'm
1: thinking we do. Because think about it. Dan Scott owns a car dealership. Yeah. Buddy Garrity owns a car dealership. Luke's dad, car dealership. It's like...
0: No, it... Luke's fake dad. <laughs> Lucas's fake dad, Keith?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: Luke, Luke from, from, from the O.C. Oh. So, yeah, like, so you so have bro- to have bro- a car dealership bro- in a teen drama. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, no, totally true. So I guess the only difference is that Luke's dad, there was a lot more hooking up with business partners versus the car dealerships <laughs> okay. and the other Old shows. Buddy Garrity hooking right? up with oh, his yeah. employees.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's You true. have to have a car dealership, and shit needs to go down. Yeah. There.
0: That's true. Good half big point, Whitney.
2: Well, one other point that I just forgot about Whitey, because he's been getting a lot of hate. Which, Fuck Whitey. Which I know, I'm not going <laughs> to defend Whitey. I'm just going to say... He should have been cast as the assistant coach, and that would have been perfect. Who
0: would have been the head coach?
2: I someone much more Coach Taylor like. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But Whitey is the perfect archetype for an assistant coach.
0: Like he's just friends with the kids, giving them yeah. advice yeah, versus his no exes and yeah. no and- Yeah. Yeah. Or I could see him as like a Mister Feeny on Boy Meets World, like just you know an old man who kind of has really good advice at times to help the kids, but like. I don't know, Whitey's just never, his hashtag inspirational Whitey quotes just never resonate with me. No. I'm always just confused on why he, words are coming out of his mouth at
2: all. Agreed.
0: Uh, last thing we'll say, this is like the 14th last thing we'll say. <laughs> um, I, I was just thinking about this. I wanted to make sure that Whitney, you knew at the wedding, your hair was fucking fire. <laughs> on point oh man it looked By the way, like
1: i already passed that along oh go damn on.
0: You did oh on. shit i didn't have any i didn't want to double up no double up on I mean, compliments it, it
1: should come straight from the horse's mouth
0: i don't like doubling up on compliments i wish you hadn't already told her that but yeah no it was like matched your dress perfectly and it was like i was talking to anna about it when we left the wedding i'm like damn whitney's hair looked fucking unreal and she's like yeah, there's just gonna be so much maintenance on it because she's gonna have to like wash her hair with like purple shampoo and stuff. <laughs> is that true? Like, yeah, yeah,
2: no. So for all the tip for the kids, the blonde kids out there, uh, to keep a nice blonde, you gotta wash with some purple shampoo. So uh, are you still doing
0: that? Or are you still? I do it, it every
2: every once in a while, but uh, yeah, it's it helps to keep the the tone nice. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't do it that often. My hair luckily takes blonde pretty well, so. Uh,
1: yeah, I think BD's, BD's quote is. Was-
0: uh, Whitney should just always do her hair like that. Well, I was. <laughs> I should that, just always have a glam squad. I know, but then I was thinking like it's probably so much maintenance because it was like white blonde. Yeah. It was like I felt like you looked like Storm from the X Men, which is a compliment, by the
2: way. Yeah, no, kind of that's compliment. that's how. Wow. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now I kind of want to
1: do. Watch out, Instagram dude! That's post. my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Come rolling out with compliments like Storm from the X-Men? Sure. I know. i am I, supposed, like, to now I want I'm supposed to live up to that?
0: Hey, note to myself when I'm doing an Instagram post, like make sure to put Whitney as like A storm? storm in one of these fucking photos that I photoshopped. Yeah.
2: No, that was high school and college me. That was my, how my hair was all the time.
0: So. Have you ever gone brunette? Have you ever tried uh-huh.
2: it? I did in London for... A hot minute.
0: You don't like it. Uh, Some it was, people just look good, like better as blondes. You know. It
2: was okay. It just didn't feel. My hair grows back in blonde, so it looks a little weird. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Thanks for the compliment. Hey, Appreciate no it. problem.
0: I'm filled with compliments. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we get into? Should we get down to brass tacks? Should we get into business? I think we should. Did you, Inter, would feel free to hang out, by the way, if you want to keep uh, going through these teens. I
2: feel like I'm getting you guys off track, but I might. I no, might
0: no, no, you're not. Um, let's start off, though, episode 12, it's entitled Crash Course in Polite Conversation, I want to get a clip of Dan's parents in town because mm-hmm. goddamn, did <laughs> they provide some explosive content. Yeah,
1: they're the catalyst that needed to happen to totally rip this family apart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this family
0: was, the Scott family was already hanging on by a fucking thread, but then Dan's parents come in and this is the first line that Dan's dad has when he walks into the house. Here it is.
3: Are you going to leave us standing out here all morning freezing our asses off? Oh. Come on in. Come on, kiss green. <laughs> uh, looks like you put on a few there, Deb. Looks good on you.
0: Looks like you've put on a few LBs there, Deb. God. Looks good on you.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> so
0: Whitney, it's good that you're here actually still. If uh, if Pat's dad comes in and says this, you know, you guys are married now. Yeah. So if Pat's dad comes in and he says to you like, hey, Whitney, what are you putting on a few LBs there? you eating pretty well in Paris, huh? Do you just start throwing up? Like, do you beat Pat's ass? Or do you. I think it'd be be, like
2: one of those, like, we'll talk later about your dad. So you don't
0: say anything to the old man?
2: No, no. I mean, I think definitely Deb played it as. uh, She knows this guy. She knows this is par for the course. So I think, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you know you're getting into. Not the first comedy's made. So you let it ride, usually.
0: I think we, we realized here that the Dan Scott apple does not fall far from the tree.
2: <laughs> sure doesn't.
0: And he d- he would not translate to 2019 very well at all. Definitely wouldn't. love seeing him get a taste of Zen medicine, though. We will get into it, because I, I think we're going to talk... This whole episode is essentially about two storylines. One is that Dan's parents are in town, and then two is that Peyton's dad, she, she hears that he might have got into had an accident when he was out to sea and so lucas and peyton are just dealing with a bunch of shit with like emergency situation with her dad those are essentially the two biggest storylines in this episode so lucas brooke peyton are hanging out at their house and then she gets a call that her dad there was a storm at sea and they can't like locate him
1: scary call
0: Right before that, the reason Brooke and Peyton and Lucas are all hanging out is because, you know, Peyton knows that her dad's about to come home, minus if this, this storm doesn't happen, so she wants to fix up the car for him. And uh, I was just thinking in that, like, why is Brooke so turned on by the fact that Lucas can fix up cars? She's absurd. I Does totally, that turn you on? Yeah. Oh wait! wait, wait. That's I was going to say... On? Anybody, so,
2: anything that's, like, true utility from a guy, like, that's points. So it's, like... But she
0: is like, when he gets in the car and talking about, like, he's making these comments, clip. Well, it's not the battery. It's probably the starter.
1: Well, you can fix that, right? <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. Mm, it's <sighs> an amazing guy.
3: Oh. Uh-huh.
1: I'll say <clears throat> this. I, I take back my comment about her being absurd because that applies to different things. This yeah. particular thing, her getting switched on by... It falls easily into the category of
4: skills. Yes.
1: Girls love skills.
0: I know girls love skills, but like she is acting like when she hears him talk like that, where he says, it's probably not the battery, it could be the starter, the look she makes and the sound that comes out of her mouth is like, oh shit, I need to go make it. This is why she's a little
1: absurd, because she's so over the top about that with everything. Like, God, you're so awesome to the point where you're just like, okay.
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts on Brooke? Because, you know, when when you are la- when you were last on the pod, Brooke hadn't really come into her own yet. And now you came back in and saw Brooke has become like a mainstay. And Ben and I were talking about it like we both are not Brooke fans. She is just, she's so horny all the time yeah. and outrageous that it's such a turnoff it's to a me. It's a big turnoff.
1: It's obnoxious.
0: I am a
1: full-on Peyton guy.
0: Yeah, don't like Brooke. Yeah, what do you, what do you, you like Brooke?
2: No, not at all. It's um, too much. She and I. Yeah, and that's where I think it's a shame because Sophia Bush is such a good actress that I think they forced her to like play this like joke of a character. Yeah. However, can... there are some girls like this in high school, so I mean, I think it's a like hypersexualized because they don't like they there's insecurity there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. She's she frustrates me
1: she's like that she's so hot and heavy so often that it just seems insincere yeah it's, like lucas can't do a single thing without her being like oh my god that gets me so fucking horny for <laughs> yeah. and at a certain point you're like are you just messing with me or
0: <laughs> i was just thinking we should do a hypothetical of like i'll be Brooke and you just be doing some like innocuous i'm thing. brushing my teeth yeah, you're brushing your teeth. So I walk in, and you're up there. You're brushing, and I'm. I walk in, and I'm like, "Oh, whoa! What are you doing here?" Um,
1: I just lost. I'm. I'm, I'm brushing. Wait, right stop. Now. Slow down. Slow down. Teeth.
0: What? Slow down. Yeah, slower. I,
1: I have some Colgate. Okay. Some Colgate toothbrush, and this is actually one of those quips. Oh God. Mm-hmm. You know, vibrating. Okay. Toothbrush. So just, oh, God. Okay. Trying to Slower. clean the plaque off my teeth. Oh, plaque? I you know what they say? Uh, dental hygiene is one of the, the key Are things you... in overall health. Uh-huh. How, so, how's
0: your gingivitis? Is it, would you say, it's st- strong to... Quite strong? It's it's pretty
1: strong. Are you uh, gonna I'm get it? I'm trying to fight it back. I'm um, getting a lot of decay in between my. Uh, oh God. In between my teeth right now. Uh, the dentist said I have what they call pre cavities. Oh. Uh, 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 fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, let me spit the toothpaste out. Right oh over.
0: God, spit it out slower. <laughs> slower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just like I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude, she's nonstop. She's just, so to your point about it's annoying that she gets turned on by him fixing the car. I actually get that point, and it sounds like Whitney does too. But it's everything that he does. She's yeah, it's like yeah,
0: yeah. It's every it's every single thing. I shouldn't just say it's skills because yeah, I know ladies love skills. So like, I mean, Whitney, what did it take you to like a forty out of ten when Pat redid your entire kitchen?
2: Yes,
1: definitely. Mm-hmm. I scored big points there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. The reason we gotta bring all this up, though, is because, holy fuck, do we have what we love right after that, where we're staring down the barrel of a fortuitous trap situation. Sure are. Oh my god. So, why don't you explain what happens after Peyton gets the call about her dad?
1: Can I take just two quick steps back here? Because I have a Lucas take. Oh, yeah. So before this all happens, like this unfortunate situation where Peyton's dad may or may not have drowned while was at work, <laughs> yeah. and they have to go like identify the body, and this whole dramatic thing happens, which you mentioned, they get trapped kind of together on this road trip. Yep. So we'll get to that, but to take a couple quick steps back. Provide some context. Before all that's happening, Lucas is quote-unquote just friends with Peyton. Brooke is his girlfriend. Yes. Peyton and Brooke are best friends. Correct. Lucas is spending a lot of his free time between basketball, school, like taking care of his mom's shop or whatever he needs to do to help her out around, being a boyfriend, all of his other time dedicated to hanging out with Peyton mm-hmm. as a friend, hanging right. out with her dad. And at a certain point, it's like, the fuck? Are you Marissa Cooper? Yeah, I don't want to anoint him with the the award, but he's doing that thing where he's just completely clueless to how that looks. Uh, like to, to Brooke,
0: his girlfriend. He's so fucking oblivious. He's oblivious. He's the most oblivious guy I've ever seen. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than you're dating someone and he is just constantly one-on-one hanging out with your super attractive friend in her bedroom.
1: Yeah, and not understanding why you might be kind of upset about it. Yeah, like, Luke Brooke is- keeps confronting like... Hey, I saw you at the coffee shop the other night with uh, Peyton. Looks like you guys were having a pretty fun time. Looks like you're getting pretty... And he's like, yeah, we're friends. Yeah,
0: Yeah, Lucas is just completely (laughs) confused at consequences for actions. Like, he just doesn't understand how consequences exist. And it's like, yeah, look, we don't like Brooke, really. But at the end of the day, she's totally in the right by being weirded out. Absolutely. That they are constantly hanging out one-on-one in his bedroom. Yeah, it's super weird. pretty
1: much starts every day by just popping over to her house to see what she's up to.
0: Yeah, it's clear that Lucas is just really into Peyton. Yeah. I mean, that's just clear to me. So anyways, they have this fortuitous trap situation, which is our dream if we're trying to get with a girl, where Brooke just says, clip.
2: You go with Peyton.
0: You sure? Yeah. Lucas, you're good in crisis. Not that there's going to be one, but I would probably end up falling apart and you'd end up taking care of me, which is not the point. So, It's like, wow, another fortuitous situation. Brooke just happens to be really bad in emergencies. (laughs) So (laughs) thank God Brooke is bad in emergencies. So Brooke is essentially just facilitating. She's just egging on these two to fucking hook up. Mm -hmm. So then they go, they're going to go on this road trip to figure out, like go to the corner and figure out if this is Peyton's dad, who's dead or not. And another OC like situation where, road is washed out. A.K.A. the bridge is up and they can't the get through. Is, is there no way around that bridge? Apparently not. There's no way. Are we on an island? Is uh, Tree Hill, North Carolina an island? I don't know much about the North Carolina highway system,
1: but it seems <laughs> pretty pretty shitty.
0: They can't get out. Somehow the bridge is up. They're on this this like deserted island of Tree Hill, North Carolina. So Another fortuitous awesome situation is the uh, construction guy at the bridge, the washed out bridge or whatever, just goes like, hey, there's a motel about two miles back. Obviously, don't drive all the way home. Stay at the motel. Just the two of you. I'm also guessing that there's no... Rooms in that motel where there's multiple beds. I'm also sensing some sexual
1: tension between the two of you. It may or may not be forbidden, so good luck with that.
0: How much taboo can I sense in this car? A lot. So it will be open at 6 a.m. tomorrow. 6 a.m., which means you're going to have to spend the night. There's going to be a vending machine, obviously get some snacks (laughs) and just hunker down in the same exact bed. Fucking insane.
1: By the way, it was kind of it was kind of frustrating to watch this because it was like obviously perfect sweet trap situation. You're on a road trip, bridge is washed out, you have to get a hotel room, you're trapped. <laughs> sexual tension should be through the roof, except for the unfortunate fact that Peyton does not know whether her dad is dead or not at the time. So yeah. it's like that kind of takes some thanks some of the sexual tension.
0: Thanks for the fucking cock block, my potential dead dad. Yeah. Hey,
1: thanks, coroner's office, (laughs) the buzzkill.
0: Yeah, so as that's going on, let's get back, because again, like we were saying, there's two storylines happening in this episode. There's all that going on, sexual taboo tension, trapped situation with Peyton and Lucas. Then there's the Dan Scott family dinner. Let's go back to that to fully dive into uh, Dan's dad. I thought it was actually, you know, we've done a lot of time hating on Dan Scott on this podcast until we got to Ben J's episode last week, where Dan just became, like, acquired a number one fan. It
1: was just an epic
0: dance godzag. zag. I really loved that. I was so glad that Ben did a dance godzag zag, because uh, it's been building for me for a while, and, like, I haven't wanted to accept it, but Ben kind of put me over the edge, and now I feel like I'm just all in on Dan. All I needed was, like, one person to, like, tell me that, Uh, like... He
1: pushed you off?
0: Yeah, like, I was teetering, and it's kind of like, you know how we were talking about with these teens? At the beginning, we knew Peyton was into Lucas, and all she needed was, like, confirmation from Brooke that Lucas is a catch. Then she wanted to be with him. That was, like, me with Dan. Like, I was feeling it, feeling it, but I didn't want, like, you to know about it. Right. And then Ben, aka Brooke, was, like dude, Dan's a pretty awesome fucking character. And I was like, oh shit, kind of want to fuck Dan now. <laughs> <laughs> so let, I, but anyways, I thought we got some interesting context because last episode we finally saw Dan get vulnerable and get a kind of idea on how he's become a piece of shit. And so that, I just love layered characters.
1: This was, was going to be my question to you. When I was watching that okay. whole thing. So we talked about how Dan's piece of shit dad comes into town unannounced. And he's just basically just a younger version of his old shitty dad. Yeah, Like he was cut from the exact same cloth and it makes total sense as to like, oh, Dan's just, he, he's just his dad. Yeah. His dad is kind of a monster, really competitive, pushed his son into playing basketball. So Dan's just doing the exact same thing for some reason with his son.
0: And Nathan um, is now acting exactly how Dan used to act, like exactly. hating it hating with your it dad rebelling. and all that. Yeah.
1: So my question to you is this whole episode we just see Dan Scott get a taste of his own medicine where his dad comes back into town and is just yep, you know, being shitty.
0: Uh, to Dan saying like oh Dan Dan what do you Dan what you would have been if you didn't tear your knee up or whatever you would have been like in the NBA Dan yeah. fucking what are you You're averaging 27 points a game that's fucking less than Lucas who's only averaging what 24 you little bitch
1: yeah so he's <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it comes it, it eventually comes out that Dan went to North Carolina to play college basketball and he blew out his knee freshman year and yep Him and his mom had this conspiracy where Dan was tired of being pushed by the dad. So he's like, this is my out. I'm just going to say this is my career-ending injury and I can't play basketball anymore.
0: Let's play a clip of Dan's mom explaining that context. Here it is.
2: Danny, you of all people, how dare you?
1: You know how much you hated it when your daddy bullied you to be better. I
3: never bullied him. And when you wanted a way out, I gave you one. All these years, I protected you. I lied for you. And
1: now you're doing the same thing to your son?
3: What lie? What are you talking about?
1: In college, his knee injury, it wasn't permanent.
0: Danny quit, and I helped him.
1: And so after this comes out, this is explosive family news. Explosive. And the dad gets super pissed off. He just uh, starts shitting on Dan for being a quitter and all that stuff. Which we do know that Dan is kind of a quitter. Dan's a big time quitter. (laughs) He quit in the middle of the state championship game. Yeah, Dan quits. So that's his thing. Anyways, we just, we see, we basically, to sum it all up, we just see Dan Scott's dad unloading on him as hard or harder than Dan Scott unloads on his son, and it's just breaking him down. Now, my question to you that I'm finally getting to, does this make you feel sympathy for Dan? And you're like, oh, I understand now. Or does it make you hate him twice as bad because he should have empathy for the way he's being to his son, but he's such a fucking dick that he doesn't even see that?
0: The answer to your question is the first one. I have complete sympathy for Dan now. And I think the reason is, is because I overvalue context and layers to characters on how they become who they become. So... I hated Dan the whole time when we didn't have any background or rationale as to how he got here, how this human being got to the point where he's 47 years old and he is a comic book villain of a human <laughs> being. But as soon as I, you know, I see his dad treating him that way and I I get all these layers, I'm like, I feel empathy and sympathy for him because I think all of us can relate to that on whether it's your parents pushing you like in sports when you're younger or whatever, you can relate to you being pushed in something you don't want to do. Yes. It didn't, it doesn't necessarily make us all villains and evil people at the end of the day. You can see how like, okay, I could, I, if you're a weak person like Dan is, I can see now how he got molded into this. It's not totally his fault. So yes, it, he came out, he is now a piece of shit But I kind of just blame his fucking dad now, 100%. We need to be Dan Scott's
1: dad's dad.
0: Why don't we just... The great-grandpa. I wasn't going to do this, but just talking through it, I think this week we're going to have to give the MCITW to fucking Dan Scott's dad. Done. So with that, Dan Scott's dad, I think his name is Royal Scott. Mm -hmm. Uh, Royal uh, Scott. Royal Scott. He is a Royal D-bag. He's getting the MCITW. That is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. Brought to you by Wickloware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W. Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your auto gear at Wickloware.com. Type in the promo code VL. Check out. Get 10% off your order. Get our VL swag. $30 for the baseball tees. Also get new tanks. $20. Get at us kids on Instagram. DM us. Slide in to get them. It's going to Royal Scott this week. That guy is a big piece of shit. I don't, again, I'm confused on why his wife has stayed with him this long. Yeah,
1: also a big moment for Deb, because she saw herself, she kind of looks exactly like uh, Royal Scott's wife. She saw herself in that lady who just never, she just kind of apologized for him her whole life, and then she just, she's like, I don't want to be, flash forward 30 years and just be this lady, still kind of like lying and uh, sweeping a shit under the rug.
0: Yeah, so Whitney, what are your thoughts on the dynamic Do you, let me put Pat's question on to you. Do Mm -hmm. you now feel a little empathy? It'd be great to get a female perspective. Do you feel empathy for Dan or do you still hate him?
2: Uh, So, I mean, I think anytime somebody's got Dan Scott's ridiculous personality, there's a story behind it. So, like you were saying, I had assumed maybe something about his past, but when you finally get to see the full force of Royal, you do start to develop a, oh my God, like, you you were Abused as a child, so, yeah. no, so now emotionally, abused. But, but then it comes back to like okay, you can turn that two ways, and I think that's what Dan versus Keith kind of shows you is like you can either oh, yeah. choose to continue the cycle or you can kind of go 180 and become like a kind human being. That I mean, Keith also arguably has a drinking problem, but like I think, that, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Keith is yeah. an alcoholic so
2: I mean, clearly Royal's made his mark on both of them, but I, yeah, I don't know, I think like there's no excuse for. If anything, I'm like, if that was done to you, to kind of, to Deb's point, like, you of all people should see the harm in continuing to do that to your son. So, yeah. so yeah, I guess I have less sympathy for him, maybe? I, I don't know. He's not a very redeeming character.
0: It's a good it's a good call out, though, because I like two, two pieces of that. I love the Keith Scott piece, because it's like, yes, if you're a stronger human being like Keith probably is emotionally, mm-hmm. you just take all that, you come out, and you go, look, I don't fucking care. This guy was a piece of shit, but like at the end of the day, I am who I am. He's I'm not gonna let him dictate who I am as an individual. Yeah. And I think Dan is just a weak, a we an emotionally weak guy who lets that dictate who he's become. Yeah. So it's tough and I think the second point that you said that I now we understand and have context to how Dan Um, became who he is, but yes, it doesn't provide an excuse. Yes. There's no excuse, but now we at least understand it. Yeah. So with that, Royal Scott, be free and explore. Fuck you, MCITW, that's you this week. Um, I'm going to play a clip here, though, of there was a little context that Dan provided to Nathan because Nathan comes in and he's like, so what the fuck, Dad? Like all this shit you've been giving me, it actually happened to you too. And then he provides this
3: context. I was a great player, Nathan, in high school. But when I got to Carolina, I knew it wasn't going to be the same. My dad couldn't see it, though. It was hard on your grandmother, too. So when I got hurt, she came to me and pleaded with me to walk away. said it would be better for all of us. So I did. Worst decision of my life. It felt good to get out from underneath my father. And after a while, I realized I wasn't playing for him at all. The game meant the world to me. I just never took the time to stand back and realize that. So I tried to get back into it. Rehab, running, weights. It was too late. My knee never responded. It was over for me. Again,
0: he's providing layers, and I feel like... Were you pushed, I guess, by your parents in, like, sports or anything when you were younger?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear my dad's speech at our wedding? He's, oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, we should
0: talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Pat that. Your dad gave a speech that was no less than 47 minutes long <laughs> oh my God. at the wedding, and... Uh, Wait, so there's a that's how we can tie it to this yeah. just you, like parent and were you embarrassed with your dad at that moment
2: oh but yeah but i think we can also tie it to that is i'm speaking as somebody who who has a dad who has a lot of dan scott in him he luckily has the redeeming qualities that dan doesn't have but yeah. my dad won't admit he's wrong won't say he's sorry during the speech i don't know if you caught the part where he mentioned he took like fifth grade girls basketball yeah. so seriously to the point the booster club had to tell him we couldn't coach anymore because he was too insane
0: so did you ever fake an injury of like dad my 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 ankle's swollen Dad, oh, i can't go out there.
2: i begged to sit on the bench i would just be i would say <laughs> i had a stomach ache most games because i genuinely usually did so like i kind of get dan scott to the point where it's like i you know luckily my dad has some other qualities that redeem him but like he he does have this like intensity that comes from I don't know where that it's absurd and most people like kind of how Deb deals with them is you roll your eyes at him and you say like okay we're not uh, Yeah. You. So yeah, I mean and I I think like I think what you're going to ask is like do you after learning why they are the way they are like can you forgive that and it's like yeah, but also like you're in control of who you become going forward and You got
0: to be better than it. Yeah. So yeah. that's what
2: I've tried to do. Like I've got I find myself all the time being like, oh my God, you're not being the better parts of your dad. So like maybe just. But I think
0: what I took away from your dad, and this is probably what we're not getting with Royal Scott and Mm -hmm. Dan Scott, is that when I saw your dad, I've never met the man. Mm -hmm. I got the vibe of this guy means well. He loves his daughter uncontrollably. And he just has this personality trait that like makes him crazy about. About certain things but at the end of the day he's doing it because he loves you so my I think yeah. my take is is that there's enough redeeming qualities in your dad that you can just feel that they outweigh the negative sure and I think with Royal Scott and Dan Scott it's flipped where we don't see uh, the redeeming qualities are not overweighing the negative ones yeah and you don't get it as much with Royal Scott and Dan Scott that like hey at the end of the day they're acting crazy like this because they love their kids yeah
2: I think their, theirs is more self-centered um, and more of a, like, the way... Like, if you look at Royal Scott, like, the first thing he does when he goes in that car dealership is starts to just brag about Dan Scott's high school basketball statistics. And yeah. it's not for Dan. It's because that pumps his ego up. And I think that's the difference, is that, like, these pa- these two examples of parents who have definitely let living through their kids go way too far.
0: They're living so vicariously through their kids... About at the same level that we're currently living <laughs> vicariously through these teens. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, they live through them yeah. and it just makes them like narcissistic pieces of shit. Definitely. So let's, what we'll just say to cap that off is Nathan kind of takes a Keith approach where he goes, you know what? I'm not going to quit basketball because I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be like my dad and quit on anything. So I'm not going to quit on the fucking tree hill Ravens. And I'm going to go back to basketball is actually like a fuck you to my dad of like, you know what, bitch, I'm not a quitter. I'm going to go back and join Whitey on the squad by the way, how weird was it that Whitey was at that Dan Scott family? So day? weird. Why was he so there? So weird. I don't know why Dan <laughs> well, Scott was there. Or why, was, why he it, was there.
2: Well, was it really some kind of subversive move by Keith? Like, that's what Dan accuses him of. And I was like, I don't know, Keith. Maybe you were trying to oh, stir Keith the pot. Oh, Keith invited him? Yeah, remember, he was Keith's special guest. I thought, I'd forgotten this part, um, and I thought he was going to bring Lucas. And I was like, this will be good. But then Whitey walks in and is like, what the hell? Why? <laughs> that was an interesting choice. I just
0: I'm, I'm, I'm so confused why the, again Whitey has had no redeeming <laughs> qualities you know Whitey is like Royal Scott on steroids with the lack of redeeming qualities that this show is giving him yeah and I was just confused Whitey shows up and he's just like regurgitating a bunch of bullshit out of his old man mouth and you're just like why are you at the Scott <laughs> family dinner you old piece of
2: shit yeah
0: get this guy to a nursing home <laughs>
2: Oh man!
0: I know. I feel bad. I, I actually don't feel bad. I just kind of feel bad because I'm ripping on him right now um, in front of you. But he sucks. I, I, sorry, he sucks. I hate him.
2: Yeah, he's he's uh, he's in the wrong role <laughs> for sure. And I mean, I guess they did put it. They put in the wife stuff almost to make but, you yeah. feel. They made it makes you feel bad for not liking him. But they didn't really do it, it well does.
0: enough. Like no. Either he is a horrendous actor. Or he they, is a
2: horrendous actor.
0: They didn't do it yeah. well enough or something where they tried to do that like Camilla, his wife died and he's dealing mm-hmm. with some baggage on that but like I, I still don't feel that empathy for him. Yeah. I don't feel it.
2: No, yeah, I think it's all yeah, he's just a very, very bad actor.
0: Yeah, bad mm-hmm. acting Whitey. Um, let's end episode 12 with a song. Tomorrow by Stereophonics. Gotta play this because this song is playing, and Peyton and Lucas are having that hookup in the motel room. Context for this Peyton found out it was not her dad that was dead. Classic now she's relieved and why do they have to go back to the motel room though she lost her bracelet she lost her bracelet she left it there they got to go back get themselves into a dark motel room make sure to not turn the lights on and start a fucking passionate hookup. i'm assuming they had already done like a late checkout yeah so that's why they were able to go back and yeah probably some somehow they were able to go back and they have one of the most sensual hookups this sex scene they don't have sex it kind of but they are literally the foreplay that they're doing it's a lot of like Lucas just like kissing her stomach a lot mm-hmm. like going down to the top of the the low-rise jean pant his line. Stomach
1: is safe around Lucas.
0: yeah Lucas just gets his rocks off by just licking belly buttons essentially yeah. I think we found that out in this episode and he does it for no less than like 14 minutes during this way too long of a sex scene then, all of a sudden, it's like the music stops. And it stops because all of a sudden, 14 minutes in of Lucas just tongue-fucking Peyton's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Damn,
3: dude,
2: you're
0: on Damn. The yeah. I think I cut that. <laughs> not, not Peyton's butt. Um, he's 14 minutes into tongue-fucking Peyton's belly button. Uh-huh which is even cooler, the music stops, because then all of a sudden they realize, oh, wait, Lucas is dating her best friend. And why? <laughs> he got his necklace caught, like, in her hair. Yeah, yeah. By Killed the way, the we,
1: we won't belabor this, because we we, uh, we already did on another episode, but definite Checkoff's necklace situation. Oh yeah. Because the first time he showed up on camera, I looked at Whitney and I was like, what the fuck is that necklace? She's He's sucked. wearing this weird red and white bead necklace with like this metal thing hanging down. So as soon as that came on the screen, it's like, this that's, is there for a reason. That's coming back. So it gets caught in her hair. The hookup turns from sensual belly button tonguing <laughs> to just like an awkward, you're on my hair situation
0: yeah uh, total checkoff off uh, necklace situation and I think maybe again we add that to the list of teen tropes that you need for a successful teen drama is neckwear mm-hmm. because chokers are running rampant through all these teen shows puka shell necklaces are running rampant and then now Lucas is wearing some version of uh, like a hippie bead necklace situation it's, and uh, I'm confused it's a, I don't know Oh, the other thing is, and I don't know when
1: this popped up, um, because it wasn't on my radar until a couple of episodes ago, but Lucas is always wearing his basketball sweatband. Always. Always. Has that been happening the entire season?
0: Yes. God, that's embarrassing lot. for him. <laughs> Again, that's just a fashion trend that I'm constantly confused on. It's like, why are dudes wearing sweatbands like to parties? I don't know and just to hang out like how sweaty are you getting just like hanging out watching TV it reminds me of Dieter in fucking Laguna Beach watching TV with a sweatband like you know on his forearm and I'm just like confused at Dieter Um, okay last thing we'll say from episode 12 this was a "Mm, a good stuff line Mm. for this podcaster sitting here in this podcast studio here it is don't it was stupid,
3: okay? You're with Brooke now? Yeah. We
1: just... We get carried away. It didn't mean anything. It didn't? Of course it
0: did. She's talking about, like... It was stupid. It didn't mean anything. And then he goes, it didn't? And she's like, of course it did. Mmm. Mmm. That's good stuff. I loved it. I was like, damn, like, these two are just so fucking meant to be together. I don't even care that Lucas is cheating um, on Brooke at all, to be honest. It's, like, one of the few times in life that, like, I don't care about a cheating yeah, situation. Yeah, I was rooting for it pretty hard. Yeah, I'm just rooting for Brooke to get her heart broken by this piece of shit cheater, to be honest. And, um... But, like... Peyton's bad friend, too. <laughs> really bad friend. Brooke has had, like, two kind of, like, emotional scenes that were supposed to
1: draw us into her. Other than that, it's just been kind of uh, like the her badgering Luke with seemingly unwanted sexual advances. And so, like, I never really got hooked on her as his girlfriend. And I think that was kind of intentional. Like, you're supposed to be rooting for this hookup. Like, yeah. lest you forget, it was the very next episode that they kind of got together after her, like, getting drunk and being cruel to Vil at that party. Mm-hmm. So it's like she went from being almost a villain. To all of a sudden, now she's the main character's love interest. Yeah. It never really clicked for me. So... It was one... I feel it was no one, guilt at all.
0: It was one. There was one scene and it was Peyton had that roofy situation yeah. with that creepy college guy. And Brooke and Lucas had one conversation where she got kind of emotional and that was all he needed to just full on start dating her. Is mm-hmm. one like vulnerable moment of her opening up. I mean, Lucas is such an emotional sap that, like, God, you have one conversation where you open up and it's all of a sudden, like, okay, let's bang and date. He he does kind of address it, and I think this is what he was referring to when he's, like,
1: talking to Peyton and, like, trying to convince Peyton that she's actually the one. And he says that he's hiding behind Brooke because he was so fucked up in the head and so hurt from being rejected from Peyton that he's like, shit, I can't go through that again. This other girl seems to be just kind of making it easy for me so, so easy. i think i'm just so fucking i think i'm just gonna go that route yeah because like this girl really really likes me and is making it abundantly clear 100 of the time so let me just even though i don't feel strongly towards her i'm just gonna go this route and kind of emotionally
0: hide behind her tip for the kids don't make it easy because guess what you may get lucas for like two weeks or whatever because of just the ease of it but at the end of the day he's not going to want to stay with you dudes love a fucking challenge and if you're that easy it all you're doing is you're facilitating a very quick hookup situation and then he's done with you that's how bad dudes suck make it tricky i mean whitney let me get your thoughts on this how many times have you seen that in life where you know before you started working at this podcast studio making no money as our intern (laughs) Were, did you have that situation where with guys where like it would be, and I'm sure Pat's going to love this dialogue, you made it so fucking easy for the guys and then you were just confused on why he had no interest with you after two weeks? Did that ever happen to you or were you always making it hard for the guys?
2: No, I, I was notoriously a slow mover. So that's so, good. That's yeah, good. and I think I will say uh, just a tip for the lady kids mm-hmm, out there is mm-hmm. yeah, when you're young, it might seem like that means you get passed over, you don't get the attention, or you get whatever because guys are looking for the easy. When they're really young, it'll pay off in the end. So
0: yeah, don't give it yeah. up so quickly, yeah. kids. I mean that's good. Yeah. Good don't, advice. Don't give it it's up. A tortoise in the hair type situation. For sure. Yeah, the slow man. What is that saying? This the, s- the uh. slow. One always wins the slow race. Slow and steady, slow race and and the steady race. wins the race. Yeah. So true for the lady kids. another slow th- and steady, ladies. <laughs> slow and <laughs> steady. Yeah. Another thing I want to get your thoughts on as we transition into episode thirteen, hanging by a moment, is uh, Lucas's soul patch. Ugh. Is
2: disgusting.
0: It's out of control. Mm-hmm. It's the only facial hair that he has on, a, on his entire face is just like three inches of blonde hair dangling from his bottom lip
2: mm-hmm. it's not f- yeah it's not for the ladies i'll tell you that <laughs> it can't
0: I, can't be for the ladies that's for the dudes i know exactly what it's for
2: <laughs>
1: belly button tongue <laughs> fucking mm-hmm. belly button tickling
0: oh God. <laughs> you know that's his move oh god we should title this episode belly, belly button, t- button t- tongue I <laughs> fucking
2: <laughs> i think tickling's cuter
0: yeah belly button tickling's tickling a
1: little cuter yeah
0: We'll call it belly button tickling. Um, Let's get a clip back in here because I've realized now is like I'm transitioning into just full on loving Dan Scott. Thanks, Ben J. Is, uh, Dan at therapy is my favorite Dan. He is amazing in therapy. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's like him with an audience to Ben's point. So he's just on like, he's on display. He knows it. This is his forum. Yeah, he's speak. on stage. Yeah, that's a good point. He <laughs> just gets fucking so high on the feeling of people have to
3: listen to him, and uh, he has this clip. Hey, Doc, did you ever read that article about the mountain climber had his arm wedged beneath a boulder? His arm was caught beneath a thousand pound rock, so he cut it off just below the elbow using nothing but a pocket knife. Of course, he had to break the bone first. Some people find that hard to believe, but it's simple, really. He found himself faced with a difficult situation. He did what he had to do to survive. I made a choice. To cut away the part of me that had me trapped. And you can question my judgment if you want to. But the fact of the matter is, you can never really understand it until it's you that's has beneath the weight. So essentially what he's doing
0: is he's comparing abandoning one of his children, a.k.a. Lucas Snow, to uh, James Franco in 127 hours. And so that's what I had to do with my illegitimate bastard son, Lucas Snow. <laughs> so I had to break <laughs> his arm and then cut him off and leave him fucking bodiless in the mountains so I could survive. <laughs> makes sense. Uh, a human being be being the completely removed
1: and rotting limb in this situation. Just in the desert getting picked at by birds.
0: Yeah, and lizards. yeah, that's Lucas Snow. <laughs> by
1: the way, if you had your whole arm removed like that, would you put it in a jar, like uh, a big jar, and display it? Or would you just have them throw it in the trash?
0: That's tough because, I mean, are we saying that we've been able to like keep the arm like in good condition? Or is it rotted and stuff by the time you get back to it?
1: It's in good condition, but it's never going back on you. Yeah, But I it's still saying, your arm. So I'd like, want him to
0: just attach it and just, like, it's there for show. It's never going to work again. But at least I have my dead arm, like, still on me kind mm-hmm. of thing. But if you're saying a little decay has started to set in. Yeah. Also. I'd probably just pitch my arm, to be honest. Just throw it out. Yeah. Nice. Just go through life as a one-arm guy. And maybe, like, always just crush it in, like, long-sleeve tees and, like, gloves. So people don't know, like, I have one fake arm.
1: That makes sense. I, I mean, also a tip for the kids, if you're trying to lose a little weight, maybe like 10, 12 pounds, mm-hmm. cut an arm off.
0: Yeah. There you go. Lose an appendage. That's the best way to lose quick weight. I mean, I always say that. Um, do you think Lucas and Peyton, do you think it's weird that they don't feel like they kind of feel guilt that they've hooked up? But we see in episode 13 that they don't and they just kind of keep secretly hooking up with like an insane amount. This this taboo and um, like forbidden cloud is just hanging over them and it's turning them on so much. Yeah, they lean into the taboo a little bit. Yeah, they start. They just like keep making out like in secret locations in the well, library that, that was and the, stuff. That
1: was the move and that was one of the, I think that was their next kiss. As She says it was just, it didn't mean anything. Whatever, just ignore it. And his move was he just fucking went in for another kiss. And it's like, yep, didn't mean anything. Sure. And then it's like, well, I guess it's on. I guess this is inevitable.
0: And it had one of our favorite moments, another classic teen trope is like, if two people are having a taboo forbidden hookup, someone in the cast has to walk in on it and see it. Say nothing Mm -hmm. in that moment. See it drink it in for like 13 seconds and then walk away without saying anything and walk away with them out actually not even seeing that you saw it.
1: Absolutely. And also a good thing that all of their taboo makeout sessions happen completely in full display of public.
0: Yeah. So, so that at school. So that Haley can just walk in on it, see it, then make sure to not tell them about it. She tells someone else first and then eventually brings it up to them after the fact that she just walked in on them. I mean, she probably got really close to just seeing Lucas full-on tongue-fucking her belly button again. Yeah, I actually have in my notes,
1: Lucas is off the reservation. I don't know at what point I wrote that down, but throughout this whole episode. I mean, honestly,
0: Lucas in this episode came close to getting the MCITW. If Royal Scott hadn't come in and just snatched it out of the air, Lucas was probably getting it for just being a humongous piece of shit. Like... We're watching it and rooting for Lucas and Peyton, so I even said earlier that like I kind of was okay with it. But if you just take the whole dynamics of the show out of it, what Lucas is doing is fucking insane. He's a big, selfish piece of shit. So selfish, and he has just no guilt whatsoever. I get it. I can You can talk me into, if it's a drunken one-time hookup, while I don't endorse that... You can at least talk me into how we get there of like, I was really drunk. We were at a party. My girlfriend wasn't there. Like the, the fucking natty lights are flowing like fucking wine and we made a huge, oh, and also we're 16 and a half in our, in our, uh, hormones are like exploding out of us. Okay. Lucas though is sober, <laughs> like going back to the well, the cheating well, multiple, multiple times and in public. So I'm like. Yeah, Lucas, uh, fuck you, you piece of shit. They make it seem like they're in this situation that's impossible to
1: solve. It's like Lucas. It's real easy. Lucas is like acting like they need to come to her and have this intervention with Brooke. Like They need to both be there and they need to be like, listen, we're in love with each other and I'm breaking up with you and we're going to be together now. The solution is, Lucas, you fucking man up on your own, break up with her, you can just say, I'm not feeling it, which is the truth. A month later, it comes out that you and Peyton are doing stuff. Yeah. She is probably has another, Brooke has another boyfriend by this point.
0: And as we know in high school, you can just bounce like from one relationship to the next. You don't even need to wait two months or whatever. We month. both
1: did that so many times. Oh,
0: dude. Fight a dime for every time we broke up with a lady in high school, and then a week later, we're on to another 10. I have so many dimes. Either way, just
1: the fact that they're 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 planning this weird breakup intervention is
0: it's so weird. Nonsense. It confuses me because it's like this seems pretty simple because neither of you regret this and you want to be together and Lucas, you clearly don't want to be with Brooke anymore. Uh, this is just. A great scenario. You have one shitty breakup conversation with the girl you don't want to be with, and then the girl you do want to be with actually wants to be with you too, didn't feel like your hookup was a mistake, and now you two are just full on dating.
1: Don't even feel bad about it, because even if Lucas really liked Brooke, she's dumping his ass within a year. No doubt.
0: You think Brooke's going off to school? Going off to college? No, she's horny as fuck. She's trying to suck anyone with a pulse. Sorry, Whitney, but that's just true. I mean, we know that Brooke is the horniest girl we've ever fucking seen. We wouldn't call her a slut. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't, Whitney. But what we can call her is just a really horny, horny girl, right? Is that fair?
2: I I think it's fair.
0: Yeah. So, let's zag from them. Let's get on to Whitey really quick. Because I had one of the quickest excited feelings that was very quickly surpassed by the biggest blue ball situation of my entire life, which was this clip of Whitey almost quitting and being out of the
3: show. Here it is. I'm thinking of stepping down. That come as a big surprise to you, Keith? Well, yeah. Yeah, it does. I promised myself I'd coach for 20 years. Then Camilla and I would start living. 35 years later, here I am.
0: So Whitey wants to quit. I got really excited because I was like, thank God he's going to fucking be out of my life forever. I'm going to get to go to my grave uh, without ever being, have Whitey like ever a part of my life situation ever again. I got really excited. And the reason he wants to quit is because he just doesn't feel like he's making a difference with the teens, dude. He doesn't (laughs) feel it. He's not making a
1: difference with the kids. It's like his response to Nathan quitting is just to also quit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, people are quitting. Great leadership, Whitey, you idiot. I think his quote, and I wrote this down just because I found the math kind of weird. It It just didn't check out for some reason in my mind. He's sitting there looking at a picture of his wife just contemplating this quitting decision. And he says, I promised I'd coach for 20 years, and then Camille and I would start living. Yep. Here I am, 35 years later, not living. So let's <laughs> let's unpack it just just a little yeah. bit. There's okay. a couple things here I want to unpack. Okay. First of all, he's saying he wants to coach for 20 years, and then they'll start living. Mm-hmm. As in, like, what does that mean? Are, is he like building up this nest egg with all this cash that he's hoarding from coaching, just busting his ass? Yeah, And, I then, guess it's and then after that, K. he's going to start fucking living his life. Like, all right. Now I live. can't simultaneously live and coach at the same time. No. And then the second part of it was like, and here I am 35 years later. So just 20 years was his original plan. And then just tag on 15 more years. And that's supposed to sound like a bad thing. So it seems how, like he just has a job.
0: How... What I was also confused on is when do you start coach, when do you start work? You start work when you're 22, right? Yeah. So let's assume Whitey went to college. He started working professionally at 22. 35 years after that. he's now 57. If Whitey's 57 years old, then I am 16 and a half. <laughs> what the fuck? They're just gifting Whitey like 20 years on his age. I mean, Whitey, I'm pretty sure, is in his 90s.
1: He's pretty old. <laughs> uh, and Also, his whole thing is, here I am old 35 Shane. years later. I'm Bro, just saying, do the got, math. I'm you not got about four more years until you're ready to
0: retire. Yeah, just stick it out, dude, for the pension plan. I mean, what the fuck? So, by his math, he's still eight years away from 65 when like all when he, the hey, pension and all retire. that kicks yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he's 57... <laughs> And he can't make it till he's 65? The math did not add up. To me, he's already hit 65 like 30 years prior, and he's been coaching for like 60 years, and he needs to get out of the game because he's got pension and, you know, 60 years worth of savings, not 35. Anyways, fuck Whitey. Um, Let's give his life list. Did you write him down? No. I got him. He's got three goals, essentially. Three goals. Mm-hmm. This is his entire life list. And I'm going to put this on Instagram, I think, because it was the... I can't remember a time. I texted you when I was watching this. I can't remember a time where I laughed harder than when I saw Whitey's like 1957 life goal list that he created that he keeps on a loose-leaf piece of paper and he still just has in his desk at all times. Number one, you already mentioned it, coach for 20 years. Number two, win 500 games, which apparently he's just cool bouncing on at 499. So he's one win away from reaching one of his only three life goals, and he's just going to stop one win away. That's essentially one week away. And then three, which is why he wants to quit, make a difference. So I was just curious because I was like, Whitney, what do you take that to mean when if you put on your life goal list, make a difference with the teens. Uh-uh. What's up, Hank?
4: What's up, What's up, with? We Dang. got
0: we got like ten minutes left of recording. Okay. We got a hot mic. You want to get on this pod? Actually, yeah, do you want to ask this do you is want to perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. Hank's here. We're gonna go see a WNBA game as we talked about. So here he's here. Oh yeah, go stoked on
4: here. some fundamentals, dude.
0: So, Hank's here, and this is perfect. Previous guest. Let's play Hank's intro music. So, Hank stepped in for the final ten minutes. This is perfect because we're talking about Whitey, who is a coach of the teens. Okay. Slash t- uh, teacher of the teens. What
4: sport does he coach these children in? Basketball. Be- yeah.
0: All right, people. So Whitey, we're talking about he's got a life list that he put together when he first started coaching and teaching the kids. Okay. Have you done that yet? A life list? Do you have a life list? A goal list of goals.
4: uh I have a list of like twenty things, pieces of advice I try and do. Yeah. Like they're things like be the first to say hello, never give up on anybody, miracles happen. These are ongoing things. Wow.
0: Yeah. God, he'd be those such a better are, coach than Whitey. Those are cool. One those thing are
4: cool I got. Life let me ask you about this Whitey guy. When people ask him how's he doing, just like in the hallway, what's he say?
0: He probably says some like just inspirational quote that he's got cocked and loaded and the holstered in his on his side at all times.
4: Some coaches are like that. It's kind of annoying. I'll like, ask him like, "How you doing?" Be like, "Fantastic, living the dream, dude.
0: <laughs> Best day ever." Or it'll be like, "Hey, coach, how you doing?" and he'll be like, "Stay ready. You don't have to get ready, kid." Hungry. Hungry. I think
1: you told me one time if when you're coaching, especially in midseason, you can never just be good. No, you got to be great. <laughs> I'm good, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: so you say that too, yeah? Like stay great. Don't get. Don't be complacent. Stay great. LG. Every day is a new day to prove something.
2: Or
4: or they, they go like laid back, cool, shoot, if I was any better, it'd be illegal.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Dave Ramsey, so,
2: better than I deserve. We
0: just went through Whitey's list of, he's only got three. You know, you've got 20. Whitey's got three. It's simple. Coach for 20 years, which to me I was confused on because I was like, what's uh, he going to do? It's not on my list. So he only gets to 42 then, and then he's got 23 years before he can retire. What's he doing for that next 20
1: gonna call it quits.
0: Gonna He's writing
4: his memoir, I guess.
1: He said in his own words, and then I'm gonna start living. But with I like when,
0: yeah, I am. so that was one when five hundred games was two and then three was make a difference with the kids. Mm. So do you feel that every day like you know as a coach and a teacher of the kids, are you saying like every day you wake up, you're brushing your teeth and you're going like today I make a difference.
4: Not while I'm brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. That moment comes for me like in the couple minutes before practice starts when I'm walking out by myself and I'm looking at the trees. I'm breathing God's fresh air. And I'm just thinking, you know what? I mean, what's good? So in your mind,
0: when he's saying make a difference, and we were just talking about he's essentially going to quit because he feels like he he hasn't totally made a difference yet with the teens. What do you mean? What does he mean when he's saying make a difference? Does that mean get a kid into like a good college? Does it mean he gets like his jump shot, like he improves his field goal percentage by 13% on the year? Uh, or does he improve him as an individual and a person? He feels like he made a difference in making him a better human being.
4: That works too. Um, it can be things like getting a kid to do something he's scared of, face a fear. So maybe in a game, this kid's afraid of taking a charge. Whitey gets him, you know, working on his footwork mm. one time.
0: Or if you knew, like, hey, one of your students is, like, he's got a fear of heights. So, like, on a Saturday, you meet up with Jimmy and you take him bungee jumping.
4: That would be really going for it. I mean, that's a As a, a teacher or a coach. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a difference that you've <laughs> well, made in that kid's yeah. life. <laughs> you make me feel like a little not great teacher. Not yeah. bungee jumping with my students. Get out there. Um,
1: I've You good on Whitey? I'm good on Whitey. Got a song. Oh. The Shins, Pink Bullets. Oh, I love this song. That plays awesome in this? Song, yeah. What, what's, it played what's during a it? montage, one of our moments. It played during a montage of Keith buying flowers. Oh. This girl has come back from the airport, that was, a.k.a. Yeah. Lucas' mom, yep. Whitey. Uh, after he decides, he might still be contemplating. I no, he remember. decides he's not he going to quit. He decides he's going to stay. Just he's not going to quit in the middle of seasons. So Whitey's standing at his wife's grave talking to his wife.
0: Blue ball's complete for
1: me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan is uh, reading a note and then Haley is shooting her shot in gym where she's been trying to practice Haley's jump
0: shot Disgusted the fuck out of me. It's bad. Her her, she's got like a jumping jack.
4: We're not going to see anything like that today.
0: No. Oh, dude. We're going to be triple threat
1: positions and squishes.
0: Yeah, I mean, wow. What a coincidence that we're watching Haley learn how to play basketball today, and we are a couple hours away from watching the real deal ladies do it on the hardwood. Fucking fever. Super stoked. So Uh, stoked for this.
1: Pink Bullets, unreal song, and I just also loved it. It was a quad montage. Same song, four ah. different emotions happening, and it worked all mm. well, four
0: of them. Quad montage versus so, like a triple montage, mm-hmm. double mm-hmm.
1: Deke. Or a dual montage. So shout out to the Shins for being awesome. Also, another note: one of my favorite moments was when Dan is at the beach house, oh. grilling, grilling out by himself. Oh. So first off, charcoal grill grilling out only for yourself, it's and I had such a hassle for just the returns of just. You grill one meal for yourself after heating up all the coals and all that stuff.
0: Well, I was confused because it looked like he had a gas grill that he was just not using gas. It wasn't like a charcoal Weber grill. It was like a full-on gas grill that he just put foil over the gas like... Uh, where the gas comes out, the burners, he put foil over it and then just put the coals right there. Dan's brain's broken. Sounds so like we can't <laughs> drill in too much of it.
4: Is he just an analog guy? It might
1: be. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes because it's been, like, these past two episodes you feel like he's been doing some soul searching. Yeah. Like trying to win his family back. Had the thing with his dad where he had to, like, confront why he is who he is and, like, she's trying to keep a hold of his son. Had the emotional moment with his son you're like, oh, this guy's turning a corner. His brother Keith shows up while he's grilling by himself on his back deck, and Keith is just like, "Hey man, I'm just checking in on you." Dan just relentlessly rips into him yeah. for the whole entire scene. Shreds. And you're it. like, "Oh, yeah. he's still a huge dick." Yeah, Dan so is, is out of control. Dan one, is. I think that was one of my favorite scenes of the episode.
0: I just want to provide a counterpoint to this because. I want to provide a, a take on charcoal grills. I am a charcoal grill fan, and so I just want to make it known that I go charcoal over gas hundred times out of a hundred. Now, to your point, will I do it if I'm completely alone by myself? Probably not. But I, for me, there's nothing better than grilling out, you get the charcoal flavor on the meats for you and your lady, and then maybe like future kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if I can do it by myself. Maybe if it's like a weekend thing and like, you know, your wife's out of town. and It's like, you know what? I'm not going to half-ass this night. I'm going all out. I want to really get... I want to do this right.
1: Maybe that's what he's doing. He's having some me time. Yeah. But, uh, he, but
0: the problem is, is that it's not just a weekend thing. Deb is officially separated from him. So it is weird that this is just how he's living now. So you'd think he'd be like throwing a hot pocket in the microwave and just, maybe. you know... Whatever, but um, okay, let's end it with Karen because we just got to bring it up and then we'll wrap it up and go see some ladies shooting hoops. We got to just say it, a real tough scene. It reminded me when Kirsten got into that bad, bad car wreck uh, because we got a second car wreck here. Bad situation. I, I I don't know if you could feel it when you were watching it, but when him and Keith were, Lucas and Keith are in the car to go pick up Karen from the airport. She's coming back at the same point as you guys from Italy. She's coming back from Italy, Italy the same moment you guys are. Florence, we were there. So they're going to the airport. When they were in the car, I just kept thinking like, this is a wreck. They're going to get in a wreck. I know it. I just know it. They would not show this car ride if they weren't going to get into a fucking wreck. They do. Tough fucking scene. Lucas gets torn up, gets fucking T-boned by a car going through a red light. And Lucas is medically in a bad spot.
1: Yeah, it seems like he's got some internal injuries maybe happening, totally unconscious. Rush him to the hospital, emergency surgery. We find out that Keith may or may not have been drinking before this, which is a
4: little wrinkle. He had
0: one the,
1: beer. Do you hear the doctor say, how much have you been drinking? Yeah. So Taking
4: before. on the hard issues, head yeah. on.
1: We'll put a pin on that. So he's going to be feeling a lot of guilt, I'm thinking. Uh, needless to say, nobody picks Karen up from the airport.
0: And I just kept thinking, because I can't remember how this plays out, but I have a feeling that this is going to turn into a situation where Karen is, like, blaming Keith because he was drunk driving and he's the reason that Lucas got, like, all fucked up in that car accident. And I'm like, I know it's going to frustrate me with Karen. I can just see it ahead of time because I'm like, if she blames Keith at all for this, it's fucking bullshit because that was not his fault. He had one fucking beer. He was probably at, like, .02 and... He just was making a turn at a green arrow, and someone went through a red and T-boned him. It was not his fault.
1: Let's just say Keith might have to wait a little bit longer on that Karen sex.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to maybe have to wait another 18 years mm-hmm. to have sex with, uh, <laughs> with this girl. Okay. MVP, who you got?
1: Um, for my MVP, I am going with Lucas.
0: Really? Cause I almost gave him the MCITW on this episode,
1: and he's getting the MVP too. You gotta realize, you ride a razor's edge with this shit, dude. Yeah.
0: With yeah. Our MVP Painting isn't
1: who was our favorite character in the episode because of how morally sound they were. It's who's churning up the most
0: drama. Who's churning? Me, this he's episode. Yeah. It was that belly button kisser Lucas. He was tongue fucking the shit out of her belly button. He sure was it so right to the top of the mvp list. Yeah, so yeah.
1: Lucas is just in this whirlwind of being caught in between the two hottest girls in Tree Hill, maybe in the country. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, probably I would say. Um he's the whole time he's doing shit like Peyton's dad wants to take this job for like a year or something in New Zealand. So he befriends Peyton's dad for some unknown reason somehow and um, starts showing the dad her comic strip in the newspaper to let the dad know that, you know, she's sad about him leaving. She doesn't want it to happen. So he basically does this thing, like, of, hey, dad that I just met, who's the dad of this girl that I'm hanging out with, listen, do a better job being a dad. Do more. Take some advice from me.
0: 16-and-a-half-year-old with a fucking beaded necklace and a sweatband on. You're being a bad dad. And a soul patch. Be a better dad. Be a better dad. I don't know.
1: Anyway, so he's just in the fucking mix and I really enjoyed all that. No also, that... also he flatlines at the end. Yep. So
0: just, I was gonna the, play the, that. Literally sound the, la- the, yeah.
1: the last shot of this episode is him on the operating table, complete heartbeat, flatline. So his vitals are not happening and shout out Lucas for dying in this episode.
0: Yeah, no, great stuff, I love it, because you're right, Lucas, he was churning, he was fucking in the mix, dude, he was like in a fucking fondue pot, dude, just like melting it through all the other ingredients, getting them all mixed in there, fucking creating drama, I fucking love it, he was in the mix, he did die at the end of this episode, we'll see if he stays dead, I feel like they gotta bring him back to (laughs) life, just, you know, for the storylines and stuff, but... With that, we'll tell the kids. Kids, you tuck on in. You sleep tight. You have really good night's sleep. Kids and Pat, clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do it with us. Let's go watch some females, dude. do not you do it? Sweet.
4: So this guy's licking belly buttons? <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, where's he going to college? The Naval Academy? <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: You can follow us on instagram at vicarious living podcast and listen to all of our episodes on itunes stitcher or soundcloud you know you found us when you see a picture of pat and i sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is laguna beach steven's there just not pictured steven and Elsie, both there just not pictured